Hey, we can. Hey, who thought it would be a great idea to talk about the fall in September? I had no idea that God would provide the special effects. But we're going to find out that God's Word is so amazing that, we're, that in the passage today, picked a long time ago, we'll look at work and we'll also understand why they're hurricanes, all in the passage picked out for today. So stay awake and we're going to have a great time together. So let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are a God who works, and you are a God who rests, and you have given us a pattern in your word for both. For both, And so we thank you on this Labor Day weekend for work. For all those here who work, Lord, you made us to work. May we do our work for your joy and for your glory and, and to meet the needs of others and provide for our families. And may we learn from you as well how to rest because work is good and rest is good. Father, we are powerless before a storm. We do pray that you would push the storm away. We pray as we see how helpless we are uh, in the presence of a storm that we would realize the only safe place to be is to know you. Because when we know you, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and Lord, we pray that people would run to you in the storm and put their faith in you. And as we open up your word today, we pray you would forgive the one who speaks for sins are many and you would help us to see Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, all during this series, I've been asking for a helper. And so... Someone like to come up and just let me ask you a couple of easy questions. Come on, somebody's going to help you out. Don't leave me hanging. You got your hand up. Come on up, you can come up. Come on up. Thank you. So we'll start out, something easy. Tell us your name. My name's Hayden. Hayden. And what is the farthest trip you've ever been on and where did you go? Ooh, that's a long way away. What did you like about Colorado? We went in the wintertime, so the snow was actually real and it was fluffy and everything. Ooh, <laughs> they had like real snow there, okay? Yes. yes. Not like anything around here. So now at our church, we're doing a little research, so I'd love to ask you, Hayden, what is wrong with our world? Well, we have sin in our world. We have sin in our world, and that's really what's wrong with our world, right? That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping me out. I mean, I think everybody recognizes that something is wrong with our world. And if I ask you what is wrong with our world, what would you say? Love Hayden's answer, sin, right? Uh, now, if you ask me what's wrong with our world, uh, I, that's a great answer. I would say let the, the fall wrecked everything. That our first parents sinned against God, and when they did, that impacted everything in our world, and that's why it's, it's broken. We're broken people living in a, in a broken world. If you're new, we're doing a series of messages called One Story, because we've been learning that the Bible is one story, and the one story of the Bible is called the Gospel. And there's two goals in this series two goals. The first goal is I want you to know and to be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. So I'm trying to equip you so that you can know and share the story. And we've learned though the Bible is one story, there's four chapters. 
and, and they're designed to answer life's questions. Uh, the first question that they're designed to answer is, where did everything come from? And so we spent three weeks and we, we looked at creation. And we learned that God created everything from nothing and it was very good. Well, then the next question that comes, people ask is, well, what went wrong? And so we're going to spend two weeks looking at the fall. That's where we are now. And we're going to learn the fall wrecked everything that God had made. And, and then people ask the question, well, how do we fix it? So then we'll spend th two weeks looking at redemption, how, how Jesus uh, came to, to put it back together again. And then people ask the question, well, where is history headed? How does history end? And so we'll spend two weeks looking at consummation. So the, the first goal is I want you to know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. Secondly, I want to equip you to be able to ask questions, to ask questions to open up gospel conversations. That's why I'm starting each message of the series asking questions to show you how to do it because otherwise you'll say, I don't know how to do it. So every week we're doing that because I want you to develop that skill. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We'll read about the fall, but I want to set it up a little bit more. The Bible begins in chapter 1, and we learned in chapter 1 that God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. So chapter 1 tells us the overview of creation. And then on, in chapter 2, in chapter 2, God tells us what happened on the sixth day. What happened on the sixth day when God made mankind? Now, Karen's version of chapter 2 is that God made the man first. Took one look at the man and said, I can do better. <laughs> and, and then he made the woman. Hard to argue that. But I wanted to show you, before we get to chapter 3, in Genesis 2, verse 15... Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. I want you to notice on this Labor Day weekend, God made us to work. Did you see that? God created man in his image, and he put us on earth to work. Work is not the result of the fall. We're going to find out that the fall makes work hard. The fall wrecked everything, but God made us to work. Work is good. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So, um, don't forget this. It was all yeses and one no, okay? That's important. All yeses and one no. So God gives life to people. And God places Adam and Eve in paradise. And God walks with man in paradise. And it's all yeses and one no. And God set, wants to see if man, out of love for God, would obey God and trust God that God knows what is best. And so God said to to Adam, that he and his descendants would live forever if they would obey one simple rule. Did I tell you it was all yeses, all yeses and one no? That's important. And I want you to know it was, it was an easy rule to keep because Adam and Eve were not sinners. They weren't bent towards sin like we are. 
All yes is right, one no. Now we're ready for chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So we have here a serpent, but we have Satan that we discover in the rest of the Bible who is in the form of a ser serpent. And you say, well, who is Satan? Satan is a creature, a created being. Satan is not God's equal. Satan is a creature, an angel. An angel created who was not content to be a creature and wanted to be God. So Satan rebelled against God, and God cast Satan and other angels out of heaven, which are called demons now. And you say, well, when did this happen? Though the Bible doesn't say explicitly, it seems like it happened real quickly after Genesis chapter 1. Because God created the heavens and the earth, so God's the only thing that's eternal. He makes the angels, and he makes the earth, and at the end of chapter 1, God looked over all that he made, and he said it was what? Very good. So obviously, Satan hadn't fallen at that time, because then it wouldn't have been very good. Again, it seems to have happened quickly, and here's why. Because Adam and Eve were, they were naked, weren't they? And there weren't any children running around, were there? So it seems like the fall happened pretty quickly after Genesis chapter 1. That, that Satan is cast out of heaven and he comes to earth and he hates God, so he hates people because they're made in the image of God and he's out to destroy people and God's creation. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said. The first thing Satan does is question God's word. Has God said? Isn't it interesting that nothing has changed from the very beginning? Don't we hear that today? You don't believe the Bible, do you? You don't believe the Bible. I mean, it was written a long time ago by people. It's been translated so many times. Has God really said? You don't believe that, do you? Isn't that what we hear today? Has God said? Secondly, I want you to notice that he, he questions not only God's word, but God's goodness. He wants you to think that God is so unreasonable. Has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Listen, God's just against fun. Have you ever heard that? The little kid was asked, who is God? God is someone who sits in heaven and looks around to see if anyone's having fun. And if he sees anyone having fun, he makes them stop. Come on, deep down, haven't we heard that comes from Satan right here from the beginning? God wants to keep you from having fun. You can't eat from any tree of the garden. Notice as well what he's doing. He's sowing doubts in her mind. It starts with a doubt about God's word. It moves on to a doubt about God's goodness. Notice as well, he focuses in on the one no. It's all yeses and one no. And he focuses in on the no. If you're a parent, you know what that's like, don't you? You say to your kids, yes, nine times in a row, and on the tenth time you say no. And your kids say what to you? You never let me do anything, right? That's what Satan is doing. He's, he's questioning God's word. He's getting her to focus in on the no and not on the yeses. They're made in God's image. They're in paradise. They're walking with God. 
the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. Now I want you to notice that doubt's already in her mind. She's beginning to doubt God's goodness because she takes away the word all. She just says from the fruit of the trees. She doesn't say from the fruit of all the trees of the garden we may eat. So she's beginning to think God's kind of uh, is mean. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Did God say anything about touching it? You see, now she's adding to God's word. God said you can't touch it, you can't eat it or touch it. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. He says, God is a liar. Now, I want you to notice what Satan does is he takes away from the word. Satan takes away, you, you won't die, go ahead. And, and what Eve did is she did what she added to the word. And the Bible says that we're not to take away or add to God's word. And we see both of these things happening too. Eve adding to, Satan taking away. But notice what he says, God is a liar. You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, He's trying to to get uh, the woman to do exactly what he had done and rebel against God. He's saying, don't be content to be made in the image of God. Don't be content to live in paradise. Don't be content to walk with God in paradise. You can be God. You can be like God. You know the path to happiness better than God does. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard, listen, you know better than God. You're wiser than God. Why don't you do what you want to do? God's just trying to keep you from having fun. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Here's how sin works. It starts in the mind, doesn't it? When we begin to doubt God's word, and when we begin to doubt uh, God's goodness, when, when Satan puts lies and deceit, it starts in the mind, doesn't it? And then it moves to the emotions, where we begin to want what God forbids. And then it moves to the will, where we do what God says we shouldn't do. Mind, emotions, will, and then sin loves company, doesn't it? And so as soon as she ate, what did she do? She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Listen, the the woman, it took some time that she just gave it to him and he ate no resistance at all. Of course, one of the the men in our church who will remain unnamed to protect the guilty, he says, come on, Smiley, a naked lady offers her husband some fruit. What's he going to say, right? He just does it, doesn't he? You do know what the great theologian Farrah Fawcett said about men, don't you? Farrah Fawcett said, man's problem is that his eyes work better than his brain. It's true, isn't it? At that moment she offered the fruit to him, his eyes were working a whole lot better than his brain, wasn't it? So he took and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, 
And they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Wait, 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 Smiley. I thought, you said, I thought God said that if they ate, they would die. God did say it. Why didn't they die? Oh, oh they did. We see in these couple of verses both God's grace and God's justice. We see God's grace in that they were not annihilated on the spot, but we see God's justice and they did die. You say, well, how did they die? So let's say you want to give your wife a flower, and so you cut the flower off the vine and you give it to your wife. When did the flower die? When? The moment you cut it off the vine, right? When the Bible speaks about death, there's three kinds of death. There's spiritual death, there's physical death, and there's eternal death. The moment they ate the fruit, they were severed from the life giver, and they died. And we see the evidence of that, don't we? Look at verse 7. Something has happened to them. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. They are now spiritually dead, filled with guilt and shame, and they're hiding from one another. And they're also hiding from God. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God had walked with them before. God hadn't changed, but they had changed. And now filled with shame and guilt, they hide from God. They were spiritually dead. And the Bible says that we were all born and said we're all born spiritually dead, unable to to, to please God and to, to save ourselves. The moment they ate, physical death entered into the world. Physical death is at the end of life. Our bodies and spirits will be separated. That very moment, sickness came into the world and suffering came into the world and disease and eventually they would die physically. The, they had already been severed from the life giver and they faced, and we all face, the worst kind of death which is eternal death, which is separation from God and from all good things. So the fall wrecked everything. Our first parents sinned against God, and and that brought death into the world, spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. Then the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Notice God's asking a question. Uh, We're learning that skill, aren't we? Uh, You need to know it's not a geography question. He knew where he was. Where are you? He's giving him an opportunity to confess his sin. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's quite willing to forgive us. So he's giving him an opportunity to confess, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He didn't confess. He really denied, denied. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Again, he gives him an opportunity to confess, to confess his sin. But now he moves from denying to blaming. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave from the tree and I ate. He said, it's the woman's fault. And God, it's your fault because you gave her to me. What do we do with sin? 
we deny and deny and deny, don't we? And then when we're really busted, what do we do? We blame. It's your fault. While he blamed, he blamed the woman and he blamed God. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Again, giving her an opportunity to confess. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Listen, it was the serpent's fault. Deny, deny, blame. The fall wrecked everything. Now we are broken people. We are broken people. We are sinners, both by birth and by choice. But sin didn't just affect us. We are broken people living in a broken world. Sin wrecked everything. The fall wrecked everything. Let's look at the impact of the fall. The Lord God said to the serpent, he's speaking to the snake, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle. All of the animal kingdom was cursed and wrecked by man's sin. Cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Um, so you're watching with your children a nature show and you see the antelope you know, hopping across the Serengeti plains and what happens? In comes what? a lion, and devours the antelope right there in front of your kids, and you say, hide your eyes. It's true, isn't it? Nature is brutal. Animals killing animals. One of our members had a girlfriend who had a little dog named Skippy, and he, she left Skippy with him and said, if you let Skippy out to the, go, to the bathroom, go out with Skippy. I don't want a hawk to get my Skippy. Do men listen to their wives or girlfriends? Out the back door goes Skippy. A hawk comes and takes Skippy away. How do you tell your girlfriend that the fall wrecked everything, right? Oh, man, nature is brutal. Before the fall, animals didn't eat and devour one another. Now they do because the fall wrecked everything. He goes on uh, speaking... Now to, um, to the devil, to Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. We'll come back to this in a, in a few minutes. Now he turns to the woman. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Um, Karen doesn't think Eve will be particularly popular in heaven. Pain in childbirth reminds us that the fall wrecked everything, including childbirth. The battle of the sexes began there as well. Listen to what it says. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so from that moment on, why is marriage hard? Why is it so hard for a husband and wife to live together? Because the fall wrecked everything. It wrecked the marriage relationship and began the battle of the sexes. Well, what about the man? Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you were dust and to dust you shall return. Now notice this, we were created to work, but the curse is that work would be frustrating, it would be toil, and it's true, isn't it? You own a business, you hire your friends to work for you and your friends steal from you. Listen, you have customers who come in and they shoplift. Work is toil, isn't it? Listen, you work for someone and he turns out to be a tyrant. Work is frustrating. There's toil, isn't there? So work would be frustrating. It would be hard to earn a living. But I want you to notice as well, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. All of creation was put under a curse and wrecked. And that's why there are earthquakes. And that's why there are tornadoes. And can I say it this weekend? Can I say it? That's why there are hurricanes. When you see this storm, we should be reminded the fall wrecked everything. It wrecked all of God's creation. And we see the fall in the storm that we fear. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. How many gods are there? One God. And yet within the Godhead, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Do you see that here? Do you see that? Then the Lord God said, There's one God. Behold, the man has become like one of us. Don't we see the oneness and the threeness of God here, knowing good and evil? And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So we see the fall wrecked everything. That our first parents sinned against God and we have all joined them and we are sinners both by birth and by choice and the fall has wrecked everything and we are broken people living in a broken world. But I want you to know this chapter is filled with the good news of the gospel as well. We see the good news of the gospel three times in this chapter. Did you see it when we walked through it? The first time... We saw the Gospels when we saw the seeking and saving Savior. In verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Who's hiding? Come on, help me. Who's hiding? Adam and Eve, that's the Gospel. Religion says God is hiding, and we are seeking God. The gospel says, no, men are hiding, and God is seeking, and God is saving. Isn't that true? 
When Jesus came, what did he say? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The gospel is we are hiding, God is seeking. Religion says we save ourselves. The gospel says, no, Jesus is seeking and saving. We see that right here. Man is hiding, God is seeking, God is saving. Second time we see the gospel, and uh, here's a fancy word, the proto-evangel, the first time the gospel is preached, the first time the Savior is promised is in verse 15. If you're like me, it takes a little help to see Jesus in the verse. God is speaking to Satan and says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. God says the rest of the Bible will see two seeds. We'll see those held captive by the devil and those who are set free by their faith in Jesus. Two groups of people. Now notice her seed, and then he says, Her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. God said one day the Savior would be born of a woman. And though the devil would deal him a painful blow, a very painful blow, a, a bruise to the heel, that the Savior would crush his head or deal a fatal blow to Satan. So we come to the New Testament, right? And there's a teenage girl who's pregnant, and she tells her fiancé, Joseph, that this is not what he thinks. It's of the Holy Spirit, and Joseph doesn't really buy the story. And so an angel comes and tells Joseph that... Uh, that uh, Mary's telling him the truth. And then an angel says this to Joseph in verse 21 of Matthew 1, she will bear a son. You see, the Savior was born of a woman, just like God promised in Genesis 3.15. She will bear a son, notice, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. That Jesus came to save us, and the devil dealt what he thought was a, a fatal blow to him when he died on the cross. It incredibly painful, but Jesus didn't stay dead. And when he rose, he crushed the head of the serpent and freed us from sin and death and the devil. The third time we see the gospel in this, in this chapter is verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. You see, they had tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, hadn't they? And that's kind of what religion is like. We, we try and make ourselves acceptable to God through our good works, but our good works are never enough. But what we see here is that God comes to them, God takes an animal, and God kills the animal. There's shedding of blood showing us right here in Genesis 3 that the penalty for sin is death that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so an animal was killed and blood was shed to point to Jesus. And then notice as well that God takes the skin from the sacrifice and clothes them. God provides the clothes that adequately clothe them. That's the gospel. We're all sinners. So Jesus came to seek and save us, God the Son, put on flesh and came to earth and lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross, shed his blood, died for our sins, and rose on the third day. And he offers us the greatest exchange ever. He gives us the greatest exchange ever. Listen to the offer Jesus makes to us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Christ lived for us and Christ died for us. And he said, here's the opportunity. We can give Jesus our sin and be forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we can exchange our sin for his righteousness. And he'll give us back that perfect life that he lived, just like God clothed them with the animal skins. We can exchange our sin for his righteousness. Have you ever done that? When we make that exchange, we're not simply forgiven, and we are forgiven, but we're given his righteousness so that we're beautiful and acceptable to God, that when God looks at us, he sees the life that Jesus lived for us and not our own. And how do we make that exchange? We put our faith in Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone puts their faith in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. The moment we believe in Jesus, he takes all of our sins and we're forgiven. Behold, new things have come, but then he gives us his righteousness. If you've never made that exchange, won't you? It really is as simple as ABC where we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry and I have no righteousness of my own. And then we believe, right? We believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And commit, Jesus, I want you to take my sins and forgive me and give me your righteousness. <laughs> Clothe me in your righteousness. And, uh, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? And if you've done that, I want you to know not only are you forgiven, but you're righteous. For the theologically-minded double imputation, your sins imputed to Christ and you're forgiven, his righteousness imputed to you, and you are beautiful to God. So, there it is. What did we learn? We learned chapter 1, creation. God made everything from nothing, and it was very good. Chapter 2, the fall. I want you to know when we understand the story, we, we can understand the world we live in. One of the reasons I'm a Christian is what the Bible teaches me fits the world. Because the world I live in, sometimes I see creation and sometimes I see the fall, don't you? On most days, we go to the beach when the sun rises and we see what? Creation. We see a beautiful creation, don't we? But sometimes, like now, in a storm, you go to the beach and what do you see? You see how the fall has what? Wrecked everything. It fits It fits. It's true. Isn't the same true with people? Sometimes we look at people, we see creation, don't we? And sometimes we see the fall. You look at a mother, and she's tenderly caring for her children, and you see what the wonder of God's creation. It's such a beautiful thing. And then you see the same woman a few minutes later yelling at her husband, right? You idiot! (laughs) And they're both there, right? Creation made in his image and fallen in the same time. Um, Understanding the story helps us understand the world we live in. It also helps us. It helps us to to share the story with others and to answer their questions. Someone asked us, well, if there is a God, how could he create a world where there's so much suffering and, and, and so much wrong and hurricanes? Good question. That's a good question. You see, the Bible's one story. The world God created, chapter 1, there, weren't, there wasn't crime, there wasn't sickness, there weren't hurricanes. 
Well, what happened? Well, that's chapter 2, the fall. The fall wrecked everything. It's the fall that brought suffering and death and, and, and hurt and, into the world. Well, how do we fix it? Well, we can't, but Jesus can. That's chapter 3. Well, where's history moving? Oh, it's moving toward its consummation when Jesus comes back. And once again, there's a world with no more suffering and no more sickness and no more death. Don't you want to be a part of that new creation? So, there it is. We learned, right? The fall, the fall wrecked everything. I want you to know that because that'll help you understand the world. It'll help you share the gospel with others. But here's what I want you to do this week. Our action step each week has been to ask a question. And the question I want you to ask people this week is what is wrong with our world? I start each message showing you how to do it so you can say, oh, I can do that too. It's easy to ask questions. Well, what if they give the wrong answer? There's not a wrong answer. You're just asking them, what is wrong with our world? Best answer I heard this week, someone told me, I said, what's wrong with our world? He said, I am. He said, the world is living in rebellion against God and I'm leading the parade. That's good, isn't it? So this week, could be over lunch today, uh, just ask them, well, what's wrong with our world? And listen, this question is really... The, there will be opportunities this week when there's something in the news that somebody does something bad. You think that'll happen? And when you're with someone, then why not ask them, what's wrong with our world? Why do people do such bad things? Do you think you'll be with anybody this week and they'll talk about the hurricane? You think so? What a great opportunity to say, what's wrong with our world that we have storms like this? Now, now, now listen and and to what they say, but if they ask you back, if they ask you back, be ready. If they ask you what's wrong with our world, remember what I taught you today, right? The fall wrecked everything. And if they say, well, well, tell me more about that. We can say, well, listen, our first parents sinned against God. And when they sinned against God, that wrecked everything. And now we're broken people living in a broken world. And then if they say, well, how do you fix it? Tell them. You can do it. Just pull out your little do-you-know booklet and read it to them. How do we fix it? We can't, but Jesus can. Jesus is God who became a man, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose and offers us eternal life. He offers us the opportunity to live forever on a new earth where there's no sorrow and no storms. You can do it. You can do it. But we've learned enough, haven't we? We've learned this week what that the fall wrecked everything. When you, when you live this week, see if that's not true. As you live this week, look around you and see if that's not true. The fall wrecked everything. And, and then our assignment this week is just to ask others. When we walk out in a broken world, just ask people, what's wrong with our world? What's wrong with our world? Listen, I'm going to do it. Will you? Imagine what could happen if we did it together. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to seek and save the lost. We're so thankful you lived that perfect life that God requires, but we couldn't do. And we're so thankful that you died on the cross, shed your blood in our place for our forgiveness. And we're so thankful that you rose to prove it. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to exchange our sins for your righteousness. And listen, if you're here and you've never done that, won't you? 
I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe? I believe you died on the cross for my sins and woes. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come in. Forgive me of my sins. Give me your righteousness. Give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've exchanged your sin for his righteousness for the first time, mark it on your card. We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord is your people. Thank you for your word that explains the world we live in. As we go out this week, may we see how your word fits the world we live in. It's both created and broken. And Lord, I pray this week in conversations with others that each of us would have the opportunity to ask, what's wrong with our world? And help us to listen. And Lord, if they ask us back, help us to be ready. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.